I have a question for you, dear listener. What sport requires the aerobic ability of a sprinter, the artistic ability of a dancer, and the endurance of a distance swimmer? All while doing this while holding your breath underwater. Think on it. Think on it. And while you're thinking, welcome to an all new episode of For the Love of Sport. Welcome in, dear listener, to, as mentioned, an all-new episode of For Love of Sport. Thank you once again for pressing play and joining me on my final stint as a solo podcast host here, uh, as mentioned. And for those of you who maybe didn't listen to our previous episode with uh, Jeff Bell, first of all, go back and listen. It was a good one. Uh, but secondly, I let everyone know that our uh, our dear friend Simon has been out the last couple weeks um, on paternity leave. So him and his wife welcomed in a new baby. We are super excited uh, for them uh, to do all of those uh, new experiences together. Uh, but with that comes myself riding, riding solo on the intro outros for the last couple episodes. Uh, but once May hits, we've got Simon back and the quality of the podcast will be back up to par. I promise you that. However, we do have Simon uh, on the interview with our guest today, as those are kind of done in the back, in the in the past, if you will. So anyways, you might be still noodling on the question I had asked for you. What sport are we talking about? And if you have any idea of who our guest is today, you will know that we are talking about artistic swimming. It was formerly known as synchronized swimming, uh, but made its switch over to artistic swimming. And if you have not ever heard of artistic swimming, or if you have heard of it, but maybe not super familiar, I would encourage you to press pause on this episode. Go to YouTube and look up some past artistic swimming performances. They are wild. They are impressive. You can get an underwater view, but it's nuts. The stuff that these uh, athletes are doing, it deserves it deserves some eyeballs and it deserves a little more credit than I think it gets. Um, and I think there's a lot of sports out there, unique sports that um, fortunately the Olympics every four years get to kind of bring back up. Um, but these sports are happening all the time. Uh, the one we're talking about today, of course, artistic swimming, uh, but there's a number of other ones. I know I watch personally with my partner a lot of figure skating. Uh, synchro is also a sport in figure skating that's unique, but is truly remarkable the things that these athletes are doing. And I think we oftentimes think of the traditional sports. So while you're listening today, I want you to appreciate everything that some of these more unique uh, sports have to offer. Um, artistic swimming definitely being one. All right, everyone, we've got a special guest on the show today, Adam Andrasco. Adam is the CEO of USA Artistic Swimming and board chair at the National Council for Youth Sports. Adam has more than a decade of experience with national governing bodies and the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. He previously served as member services director at USA Field Hockey and manager of community partnerships at the USOPC. Born in Hawk Run, Pennsylvania, that is a fantastic city name, Adam played collegiate football at Lock Haven University, and he later earned a master's degree in education with a focus in sport management from Old Dominion University. In all of his free time, I'm sure he has, Adam is a certified wrestling official, I do believe that's still true, and dad uh, to two kiddos that keep him plenty busy. Uh, it has also been known that Adam is an exceptional pool player. I may or may not have beaten him, still up for debate. And when given the chance to chat about sports or safety in youth sports, you should probably grab a drink, have a seat, because this guy, he knows what he's talking about. So with that, we are so excited to sit down with him today and indulge your ears. Adam, welcome to the For Love of Sport podcast. Hey, thanks for sensationalizing the heck out of my past. I appreciate that a lot. I mean... You know, you took me back a couple of moments there to <laughs> memories past. Uh, but yes, Hawk Run, really proud to be from there. Probably not going to move back. Sorry, Mom. But uh, yeah, there is a little creek that runs through the town. And there used to be a bunch of hawks in there. And the Native Americans at that point in time said, we're naming it Hawk Run. There's 550 people that live there in case it didn't sound small to you. It is. <laughs> It did. Don't worry. Let's just yeah. name it what it is. Yeah. All of these other names. I'm from Fort Atkinson. It's because there was a fort there and General Atkinson had it. Yeah. Fort Atkinson. Done. No need, no need to complicate things. No. You know, there's, what do we have around us? 
Oh, I don't know. There's a butte up there. We're going to be butte, Montana. That's it. We're done. There's so that's all we need to do. Also, I do want to give a small shout out to you with uh, Old Dominion University because they have one of the cooler, more unique nicknames with the Monarchs. Got to say, pretty cool, pretty fantastic logo. I geek out about that. I That's one of my weird human tricks is that I can name almost every, I have to always say, almost every D1 uh, mascot. Uh, but yeah, go Monarchs for sure. Love it. Yeah, I'm still at that game too. We'll have to play sometime. Uh, okay. Basket, basketball, I get a little bit. You know, you get a little you- fuzzy. Yeah, you go bring Big Sky Conference and stuff in there. I start to struggle. That's, that's where I accelerate. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's where he's from. <laughs> that's awesome. Welcome to the show. You know, Adam, we were so thrilled to, to you know, talk to you. It's been uh, an amazing experience, like really like having this podcast in general to, you know, speak to so many people who are involved in youth sports, especially the people who make it happen, you know, parents and coaches and organizers and athletes and really amazingly how all those lines sort of intersect and blur. Um, but I wanted to ask, you you know, touching on that briefly, what your own youth sport experience was like growing up. Yeah, I appreciate that. Like most, uh, I should start where everybody likes to get a good chuckle out of it. And the true first sport uh, that my mother put me in was tap dance. <laughs> nice. That's so awesome. It's a full circle that you're at yeah. artistic yeah, swimming. A really bit. well to my artistic yeah. swimming career. Sure. Yeah, she was in tap dance with her best friend and her son was my best friend and we're going to put him in tap. So from like five to seven, I did tap dance. And then we started playing like most kids do soccer. You know, mm-hmm. we played a couple of years of soccer, but then baseball really took hold in my life. And, you know, when you're in a small town, you either do nothing or you play sports, to be entirely honest. Because um, <laughs> there's not a lot in between um, that you can do other than get in trouble. Right. Mm-hmm. So to keep me out of trouble, they put me in essentially everything. Um, so I played baseball, I wrestled, uh, and I played football. from basically the time that I stopped playing soccer. So roughly 10 years old and um, was pretty good at each of them. When you go to a small school, you get to play all three and, you know, you can be on starting varsity on all three. And so that's really my, the background to it, to be entirely honest, I'm way better at baseball than I was at football. They just recruited me have better at football (laughs) than they did at baseball. And so uh, that's the path that I took. What uh what position did you play yeah. in each of those respectively? Yeah, I played a lot of positions in baseball. Like it was jack of all trades, master sure. of none scenario, but I could hit. <laughs> so it kind of put me wherever I could play on that day. And uh, wrestling, right? That's a weight class, so you don't need to know that one. And then in football, I was quarterback uh, most of the time, and then linebacker. In college, I played primarily linebacker, a little bit of fullback slash running back at nice. differing times in my illustrious collegiate career. <laughs> that's the nice thing, or maybe not a nice thing, but that's the thing about small towns and high school football. You play both sides, every down, you're probably holding the kick, maybe kicking sometimes. Ah, see, there you go. <laughs> you kind of get to do it all. Got a lot, you know, longest field goal in my life, 35 yards or something like that. It's yeah. little fact about me, Adam, maybe you don't know. I, I kicked my senior year of high school. Love it. My longest was 33. All right. Not given, not given a longer one. I think I could have. When can we, when can we set up a, when can we set up a, a kickoff off between <laughs> both of you? That's Man, what I, I really, really want to see. I lost that flexibility in my leg. I bet Marie still has it. It's just <sighs> the rubber in my legs is not existent anymore. I don't know. We'll see. Stay tuned, dear listener. All right. yeah, I don't know if I'd fare better than that than I did at billiards, but we'll <laughs> test it out. I, I'm not ashamed to try it. That's okay. We'll make it happen. Okay. So grew up playing all the sports. Obviously you have a lot of experience now within the USOPC. So what led you kind of down that path and how did you start there? And then eventually now at artistic swimming? Yeah, I, I didn't have a interest, honestly, be fully candid in youth sport. When I was coming out of grad school, I initially thought that I wanted to be a college athletic director and that's really where the, you know, my path and interests were, but um, I got an internship with the Olympic committee and said, I should take this opportunity. And so did. And in that internship and eventually my full-time role with you that I spent the longest amount of time in with the USOPC, I was managing community Olympic development program, which is grassroots youth-based um, sport 
opportunities in different cities across the country. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, I was the direct liaison to the multi-sport organization council, which is derived of the YMCA, Boys and Girls Club of America. There's 50 other organizations that are a part of that group. And I got really connected to what they were doing in the grassroots space. And that's what continued to spike my interest. And then providing information to them got me into the kind of policy procedure, governance side of what youth sport could be and should be. And that continued to evolve as I then took on roles at uh, USA Field Hockey. I was in a membership space. And then here at Artistic Swimming, obviously, I oversee everything. And so based on that, I got to have strong interest in what is the biggest membership group that we have, which is youth. Can you dive deeper into sort of the, you mentioned the community building aspect of it. Can you go into maybe what that, what that role entailed? So community Olympic development program was started by the Olympic committee in hopes that we could identify key areas of the country that were doing really well in certain grassroots sports. Yeah. Unfortunately, it never materialized to something that produced elite level athletes, which is the interest of the Olympic committee. Mm. It never produced a lot of elite level athletes. There were a few of far between, but it wasn't something that we were really creating a pocket or a hotbed uh, uh, for that one individual sport. So it never took off. And now has been, uh, it has a much smaller role within the Olympic committee's portfolio. But when I was in it, uh, we were intentionally sharing best practices, sharing good information, sharing some financial resources with different cities across the country. I'll use Springfield, Missouri as one of the prime examples. They had four different sports and a lot of park and rec investment into Mm -hmm. what they were doing in sport. They had a couple of Olympians that lived in that city and they were really starting to get some good growth in volleyball specifically, tennis, ice hockey. uh, And there's one other that I knew I was going to forget, but I got close. (laughs) Three out of four ain't bad, right? And uh, they they did really good work. And so there was there was good movements, good motivations. But for me personally and selfishly, that was really what took on this interest for me of, okay, if we really do invest time, efforts, energies, best practices in the youth sport, we can make a difference. And the difference might not be high performance sport, right? The difference might be just changing the life of a kid. I mean, that's the ultimate goal, right? Is to really just try to introduce a sport that's going to develop into the passion and love for a sport that can manifest in a kid from that, from that level. Like I'm, my thought process is if you're trying to introduce a, a sport that you're really passionate about, let's say it's like lacrosse, like you're going from the East coast, you're going to really down South and you're, I'm going to try to just spread lacrosse. What are, what are some of the things, what are some of the, you know, maybe the basics, the, the best practices of, okay, so you want to spread the sport into a place that's primarily like football and basketball and baseball. What are some of the things that, you know, that person should keep in mind? You should be ready to hit your head off the wall a few times. That's for sure. (laughs) Uh, I I say this first and foremost, and always in almost everything I do, changing somebody's mind and changing culture is the toughest thing that there is to do. So start there and then figure out what you're doing. But (laughs) it takes a lot. And there's some good movies out about lacrosse. Uh, There's one, a guy tried to do it in the Yukon and, Anyhow, I'm digressing to uh, digress back to what I was really supposed to tell you about is that you have to first and foremost be reputable, right? And in many cases, especially in artistic swimming, I speak from our context too, is that we don't have enough coaches to service what we have right now. So to suggest Mm -hmm. that we should, and this is one that I always, I'm hoping happens, but to suggest that we should help open a club in Atlanta, Georgia we got to have a coach there first and a coach mm-hmm. who can take on that responsibility and safely and smartly develop athletes. Once you have the coach in place, then you got to get, you got to convince parents that this is a great opportunity for their kids, or you got to introduce it to kids and get them excited, probably both. And it's not an easy task and it won't happen overnight, but if you're doing things the right way uh, and have the, again, have the, kids in mind and really just their true development, not making them the next X, right? Depending right. on mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Yep. It, it'll work. It'll happen. You know, I mean, there's examples of it everywhere and it continues to happen. Lacrosse is a great example. Right now, my 
fellow friends in water polo are introducing water polo in Texas at a rate that is unimaginable to That's me. That's awesome. Uh, but they're investing like, yeah, a lot yeah. of money. We're seeing it a lot in uh, HBCUs. I know that's a level up from grassroots sports, but mm -hmm. a lot of these national governing bodies and organizations like ours are investing in those spaces because it matters. Yeah. It changes the life. It's not because we know that we're going to find the next great uh, national team, Olympian, professional. It's not for that reason. It's because it'll make things better and make our sport better and make the lives of people in those communities better. And by, and by doing that, you're ultimately also going to find your next Olympians. And there's byproducts of just doing things for the goodness of everyone that's going to lead don't, to you. Don't let, me, don't let me try to pull the wool over your eyes here. <laughs> I mean, you still. You start a yeah. new club, there's a business impact. For sure. Uh, you yeah. start a new club, there's a chance that you know, the great athlete could come from there. So yep. mm -hmm. yeah, don't let me you know, just talk <laughs> all air and no context because there is definitely residual benefits that are business oriented or long-term athlete pipeline directed. But if you're starting there, you'll burn out before you get to the place that you need to get to. And sure. if you start at a place right. where I just want some kids to participate and enjoy the sport, you'll be better off. And in my own personal life, that's the only reason that I officiate wrestling. Like, yeah. I don't need to be yelled at uh, on every Saturday. <laughs> by somebody <laughs> else's kids and parents right? yeah. and coaches. Like, that's not something that I really need in my life. I enjoy it because I know that I'm helping move wrestling forward, helping mm. the lives of some high school athletes and some sure. youth athletes. So in my microcosm of the world, that's why I do that. Yeah. Important nonetheless. Before we before we go too far here, I want to make sure our listener understands what artistic swimming is formerly synchronized swimming. So maybe you could give us a quick rundown of that. And then one interesting thing that you would like our listener to understand about artistic swimming. The floor is yours. We are it. an artistic swimming favorite podcast. I, we made I a call it. out in previous episode. So we're yeah. coming full circle here. Thanks for giving me the platform. For sure. It. Always. Uh, so artistic swimming has been an Olympic sport since the 84 games. It just has been underappreciated in all honesty. And I think the underappreciation comes from it is a performance-based sport, still is most certainly, but the routines were generally mundane in a lot of ways. What I would tell any listener or anybody who says what the heck is artistic swimming or says I would like to learn more is go into Google and type artistic swim, USA artistic swimming robot routine. And you will see what new age artistic swimming looks like. Athletes are flying six, eight, even 10 feet out of the water. Athletes aren't touching the bottom of the pool. Uh, the routines are very fast paced. There's music over the top. So it's energetic or exciting, or it's telling a story. It's conveying emotion. And for those of us who are athletic freaks, uh, we love athletics. This isn't a sport. But it has so many cool nuances to it that I can't share in even if you gave me a full hour of <laughs> yeah. artistic swimming podcast. But I live it every day and I'm yeah. certainly biased. I just hope that when the time comes to watch the uh, our World Cup events or aquatics, World Aquatics World Championships yeah. this year or the Pan Am Games, or if you have to wait until the Olympic Games, Paris 24, you tune in when artistic swimming's on because when the, you see the team event, People are going to say, wait, what? How, how did that girl get out of the water that high? Yeah. Um, you know, how did she do that many flips? How many twists was that? Yeah. What, what was that creativity? What's that choreography mean? How cool. That, that's the sentiment that I want people to have. I'm tired of hearing that they're in sequins and glitter and <laughs> talking about Knox gelatin. Okay. Yeah. So there's some, <laughs> those are some parts of the sport that are necessary at some levels, but don't let the athleticism get lost. Mm -hmm. uh, our athletes train six, minimum six hours a day, six days a week to keep Oof. pace with the best teams in the world. Wow. I would easily argue with anybody that their athletes train more. Mm -hmm. it, it, to me, it's not even close. We're in the pool, minimum of four hours. We're strength training two hours. We're stretching another hour, land choreography, 
learning the music, learning the moves, all the things that go with it. It's an intense sport. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. There's, I really think when the last time I was watching artistic swimming was with my wife uh, for, the, for the Olympic games. And the last time we were watching it, it was really more for the fact of just like, we, we watched for like five, six seconds. And, and then we're like, no, keep, let's keep going. Cause I think that's sort of the reaction. Oh, artistic swimming's on. Let's find something else. But if you, it's sort of a guarantee. If you give that 10 seconds of your attention, you're going to be drawn in pretty quickly from there. Cause it is unreal. The <laughs> level of athleticism and strength it takes to do something as simple as just be inverted and have your legs in the air for an extended period of time. Not to mention just the lung capacity alone to do that, but the strength to do these things. It, it certainly, I could geek out about this for a bit, but I think that's something that's, that can be lost in your, in your absolute where, and I, that's my challenge to any listener, to the dear listeners out there, uh, our moms too, Becca and Joan. Hi, how are you guys doing? Is to watch it for more than 10 seconds and really appreciate how much work and effort goes into it. And I, and another candid story was, I think I was strength training in college and someone was, how do I get to be just super jacked and fit in like a short amount of time? And the person, you can either take up swimming or take up artistic swimming, because that's going to really work every single <laughs> muscle and you're going to get there in no time. <laughs> It, it's true. I mean, I, most of us can get in water and swim some laps, uh, and we struggle to do that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, just try to put yourself in the component because most of us can't really understand what it's like to be an artistic swimmer. Uh, hell, I'm the CEO, yeah, yeah. and I can't act <laughs> how they go through each and every day and train the, the way that they do. But they do it. They're incredible. Yeah, you know, very little, you know, very little negative feedback from them they're really excited as far as my national team goes we have six thousand athletes in this country that are doing it mm -hmm. it's it, it's it is a legitimate sport don't delegitimize it in mm -hmm. any sense and simon to your statement almost every team event in the first 10 seconds they will do the largest or highest throw that they do in any one routine yep. and if you watch that i promise you that hmm, Maybe I should watch the rest of this. Yeah. <laughs> then lift that individual between three and six more times, depending. Uh, and you'd be again and again. Wow. That was cool. Yeah, I think it's about unreal. even doing that stuff, not in water, like while you're also treading water. Like oh, if you just think about doing that just on land and then, I mean, then you're talking like other dance and that sort of stuff and like figure skating. <laughs> it's like all these sports that I think have gotten bad reps because maybe they have on the surface level, you look at them, you're like, oh, they're in, like you said, sequence or a dress. Yeah. It's no, this is legit. Like tune in. You're going to be shocked because there's no way you could even think about doing this on land, unless mm -hmm. in a pool or on ice or on skates. <laughs> yeah. And that's what performance arts yeah. yeah. kind of have that feel around them. Yeah. And artistic swimming's kind of been slow to break through that barrier. I feel like sure. figure skating has done a good job and most certainly gymnastics. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. For those out there, artistic swimming is called artistic swimming because gymnastics is actually called artistic, artistic gymnastics. So mobiles is an artistic gymnast. They don't even think of that as a performance sport anymore. They, us, mm -hmm. all of you, know, that's sure. what I mean in the collective. It's, it's a sport, right? It's yeah. one of the most popular Olympic sports mm -hmm. that there is, but it's a performance-based sport. They wear sequins too, mm -hmm. but we don't even see it anymore. We just see the power and the athleticism and artistic swimming is really close to that. We're moving right in that direction. Some rules yeah. have changed. They've added another routine. Uh, two males can compete in a team routine at the mm -hmm. Olympic games in 24 now. So that's oh, wow. a power element that they're trying to add to get again, higher, faster, stronger. Scythia Southeast Sportius. Sorry, I did that. I'm that <laughs> full Olympism of me there. <laughs> no, that's great. When you just, you mentioned, obviously, you know, there's, you know, over 6,000 athletes now in the U S and, uh, I'm sure the Olympics help every time an Olympic games come around just because of the general, uh, interest and audience that draws in. Can you maybe talk about over the course of, obviously you've been with artistic swimming for a few years now, so you've got an Olympics under your belt, what that growth has looked like in the sport itself. And maybe if people are, you know, obviously interested, like how they can potentially learn more in their little pocket of, of the world. Yeah. Arguably the craziest four years in any sports or world <laughs> history. True. Right. Yeah. You came in minus, at a unique time. Minus <laughs> the true world war situations. I mean, like what we've gone through. So yeah. growth 
of the sport has been a challenge versus, yes, you're correct. We usually see as a whole in the Olympic movement a, a nice percentage bump from an Olympic Games. That was a tougher thing to uh, make happen. But what we lean in on uh, are our local clubs. We're the national office. I have five office staff members, nine total employees. Uh, we can't do that work. We can do some good promotion. We've got great social media. Follow us, especially <laughs> on Instagram. We do a really good job on there promoting and putting the sport in a good light. But we can't do the outreach locally. We can only hope that messaging reaches that young individual and that parent that then gets them connected to the club. We rely a lot on our local club members to do the grassroots work for us. Uh, the more tools that we can put in their tool belt, the more excitement that we can drive in their communities that then lead them uh, to connect with us. The tools that we can use, sports engine tools, uh, to connect everything up, that's, that's a benefit for us. Yeah. It's not easy work. Uh, every once in a while, you get a great flash in the pan, and we all know the sports or the you know iconic athletes that have made some things like that happen. The Sean Whites of the world, the Tony Hawks, where they they showed up at some premier sporting event and then every kid in the country was, I got to do that. And now the sport gets this huge groundswell that uh, they were working on it. Don't get me wrong, but it happened. I'll be really honest with you guys. We've been followed by a documentary crew to do a doc series for the last two years. That's sweet. That could change the sport for us. Yeah. Because it brings it into lifestyle pop culture. Yeah. Just Olympic sport. Because mm-hmm. to your point, Simon, not a lot of people actually see artistic swimming when mm-hmm. it's on the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. And even furthermore, we can put this one on me and people in our, <laughs> our organization. We haven't qualified a team for the Olympic Games since 2008. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's been a whole large group of young individuals that have never seen Team USA as artistic swimming or synchronized swimming at the Olympic Games. So we're not capturing that audience and captivating that group, but we're working towards that really close to qualifying. And we want to do some different things that will bring our sport to light to add on to that. We just launched a sponsorship deal last Thursday with uh, a hair care product company. I don't want to say who it is in case it's a conflict sponsor, but <laughs> and they uh, they did an awesome video shoot with us. It's commercial. It's running on top of Penn Station right now. We have oh, three nice athletes cool. that will be on the Drew Barrymore show. Nice. It's filming right now. And it. It's just really awesome opportunity. They did a awesome, incredible launch party uh, in the Hollywood Hills on Thursday night with our team performing. Wow. High level choreographer was a part of it. It's mm-hmm. that type of stuff, honestly, that will click in the brains of young individuals and say, Oh, this is really cool. Yeah. Uh, that com- combined with hopefully an Olympic team and some great Olympic performances in the year to come. I yeah. mean, it's, we talked about this in sort of like our actual like initial episode of like leveraging, you know, if your sport gets a boost or is in the limelight, like latch onto it, use it and try to feed that into your program. And for, we've seen this weirdly, F1 is not a a U sport. However, like F1 was never as popular as it is right now. In my, I mean, I had no exposure to it. And all of a sudden Netflix has a documentary on it and everyone's like, yeah, no, I know like every single person. And likewise with, you know, this is going to be, I mean, with golf, with tennis too, like getting the recent thing. So this is, it's super exciting. And I think, I, for one, will be absolutely tuning in uh, to uh, to the doc series for sure. And I, again, we're going to throw that challenge out there one more time. Make it social. Like, take a video of yourself watching artistic swimming and then the 10-second <laughs> mark. If you turn away, nah, not going to happen because you're going to be sucked in. You don't have Easily. a creative bone in your body if you turn away. <laughs> you are not someone we want listening to this podcast. sports. Okay, so we're going to change gears a little bit here. I, I said it in the intro, but you're definitely someone who is an advocate for, you know, safety in youth sports, how that can, you know, affect so many kids. And it's where it, this needs to go. And it's no time like the present to, to kind of take the bull by the horns. And I know at Artistic Swimming, you guys have been doing a lot of work. And then your work with, you know, NCYS has also uh, led you to not just one specific sport, but kind of uh, preaching across all of them. Can you maybe talk just about your, you know, passion in safety in new sports and why you think mm. 
now is the time. Uh, maybe last week was probably the time that we really need to start focusing on that. Yeah, thanks for bringing it up. And it's a great segue as we talk about growing sport to um, once we have athletes that want to participate in our sport, how can we keep them safe? How can we keep them excited? How can we train them in environments that are fulfilling and educational and not full of predators and scary? And we unfortunately live in a space like that. And additionally, unfortunately, I, sports, because it is youth-based majority across this country, attracts predators. But it's a societal issue that we have, and we're addressing it through sport. Have we addressed it? No. I mean, there's clear cases of that. But are we getting exponentially better at it? There's absolutely no doubt. And the work done by NGB's U.S. Center for Safe Sport that, yes, was mandated by government uh, is really clearly demonstrating that we are identifying sexual predators, misbehaviors that are living in our everyday society removing them from society, not just removing them from sport, but identifying them and making our communities safer through those efforts. But it's not enough and it's really never going to be enough. It's about us as humans caring about developing the youth of our country. It goes back to, you don't want to start a youth program because you're trying to find the next superstar. You start mm -hmm. a youth program because it makes a difference in that mm -hmm. kid's life and ultimately makes a difference in your community. And that's what this is too. And I say this as in, I talk about it every day. So athlete safety is the this that I'm talking about, but understand that when a kid goes to a club, their parents are giving that club responsibility over their kid. And me as the CEO of the national governing body, they operate as separate entities as a club still have responsibilities of putting policies and procedures and things that can stop bad behaviors from happening in place. And I really believe that at least in the NGB space, we're taking that seriously on an everyday basis. And now it needs to grow out and become a bigger thing within the whole of the sport world. How that happens, a lot of different ideas being thrown around. Uh, National Council for Youth Sport is sharing the message broadly and openly with all of its membership, which reaches 60 million youth athletes a year. Mm -hmm. But there's so many sports organizations. There's so many park and rec programs. There's so many mm -hmm. opportunities for young kids to participate in sport. It's hard to reach them all. But if we don't intend to reach them all, then we'll fall short and some kid will have an experience in sport that should never happen to anybody in any arena. And I definitely don't want it to happen in the place that I've found the most comfort and joy in my life yeah. in any of the sports that I've mentioned um, and continue to see others in every sport prosper, become better humans have yes, financial success. Yes. Sports success. But when it comes to the end of the day, did they become a better person because of what they did in sport? Almost undoubtedly. Yes. I don't yeah. want any sport story to be sport wrecked my life. Yeah. And if yeah. we think through the lens of let's try and avoid that at every turn, we could be better. But instead, let's look at it from this should be the greatest experience of every kid's life. <laughs> and if we can live our sporting lives as coaches, as judges, officials, uh, leaders in that mindset, we'll do some really good things. But it's hard. It's hard work. Yeah, definitely. That's why it's called work, right? Not fun. Isn't that, isn't that the saying? So I, obviously you wear a lot of hats in terms of like leading organizations, but you also are, like we mentioned, a parent and we have a lot of parents who listen to this podcast. Um, is there anything that you would say to parents in terms of things that they can keep top of mind when they are, you know, participating in a club they've been at for years, or maybe they're looking at a new club or a new sport. Are there things that they can keep top of mind so that when they're going into it, they're either having conversations with people at these organizations or things to look for uh, when they're considering those? Yeah. Allow me to give a shout out to Wit and Van. Wit's my four-year-old, Van's my one-year-old. Uh, and of course, my amazing wife, Rio, who uh, takes care of them, uh, somehow <laughs> maintains their sanity each and every day. <laughs> But to parents, there are good systems in place that can showcase 
a good club versus a potentially not good club. I don't want to call any good club that's not within the Olympic movement a bad club. But every club that falls under a national governing body, and so in my case, USA Artistic Swimming, those club coaches, club owners, board of directors, they have to meet a certain standard that does have some levels of certification with it. But you can know that there's education being delivered to them that is more than maybe another club in your community or in your area that isn't a part of the national governing body. And in sports that are bigger, more popular in this country, there's a lot that don't fall under the uh, supervision of the national governing body. In their cases, so I would, and yes, I'm biased, but I would say go to the Olympic sports first, right? Mm -hmm. Olympic and sports first uh, and Paralympic sports organizations first, uh, because there's certifications there that are clear and true um, and were audited extensively against them. So I leave with that. And then I second up with there's other mechanisms um, through Sports Engine and through other companies that will certify coaches, certify clubs to be safe, to be more compliant than others. And um, those things are important. But the truth is, none of it can erase bad behaviors. Yeah. There are bad behaviors out there. They're going to find their way in because that's what their bad intentions are. And that's what they do. So as parents, continue to do your due diligence. Right? Educate your kids. Empower your kids to say something if they see something. As parents, feel empowered to be a part of practice. I'm not telling you to coach your kid. I'm telling yeah. you to sit there and observe practice. Let the coaches coach. They do their thing. That's what they get paid to do. That's really not your responsibility. But your responsibility is to make sure your kid is safe. And I know that not every parent has time to sit at practice. So if there's another parent that does, talk to them. Have conversations. See if they feel comfortable and confident with the way practice is going. It is the simple see something, say something. If there's an issue, somebody should be seeing it and somebody should be saying something about yeah. it. So we have to take on our responsibilities. And now that I have a almost five-year-old, I, I see it every day. Yeah, uh, It's not, again, it's not easy. I know that we have a lot of priorities pulling us in different directions, but we as adults are the ones that are responsible and we need to hold the coaches who are adults responsible, the club owners responsible. And yeah, we got to hold ourselves responsible when it's our kid. Yeah. I think it's, um, a lot of, you know, it's obviously safety among youth sports has become increasingly more top of mind for clubs inside and outside the, the Olympic movement. Right. And so I think it's for parents, you can ask the questions of, are these things being done? Because most times there are some measures in place that an organization can say, yeah, yes or no, I am background screening or yes, I know we are doing abuse prevention training. Yes or no, we are doing this and this. So I think it's fair to ask those questions at the beginning of the year uh, to make sure those things are happening. They're not out of line at all, right? We should be the ones asking the questions because if you look back after something happens, you're probably thinking to yourself, yeah, I wish I would have just asked if something was happening or if things were in place, right? Undoubtedly. Uh, if you live in a cityscape that you have choices on the programs that you can be, the clubs that you can be a part of, sure. ask the questions, do the research on their website, figure out what the coaches, the things that are important, do that. Uh, unfortunately, if you grow up in Hawk Run, Pennsylvania or similar, <laughs> you don't have much choice. And if you don't have much choice, then they have to, you have to be active in requiring that people meet a standard that you are observing what is happening in practice, that the training methodologies, which is not a, really a safe sport issue necessarily, but it's a, it's a compliance issue that your coaches have to coach kids the right way. Um, to be honest with you, I, we just approved, and this is a really good example of it. Uh, we just approved a mandate that an athlete cannot be required to hold their breath for any more than 25 meters. That's to me and you, that's okay. I can't even do that, but <laughs> not our swimmer can, but coaches were having to do it for more lengths than that. And it then creates potentials for hypoxic blackout and things that can mm. be really, really detrimental. And if a coach isn't trained the right way, they'll do things like that. And that, sure. that carries different sports. Right? I mean, Marie is a soccer player. They don't allow heading the ball anymore until yeah. like 12. Mm -hmm. uh, 
if a coach is not really educated, they might still be doing that. Um, yeah. Or if they run in a system that isn't certified by AYSO or USAU soccer, then they might not have to adhere to that practice. So you just have to know as a parent, try to be educated, do your due diligence. I know uh, firsthand, my parents were not super athletes. And so they didn't know where to put me at and what to do. Um, but they also didn't have the internet. <laughs> yeah. I'm only 38 guys, but <laughs> yeah, and it really wasn't that accessible. And it yeah. didn't have the easeability that, again, sports engine has made it. Uh, websites like USA Artistic Swimming, things like that are now are simplistic and we take for granted. You have those things at your fingertips. Make sure you use them. Yeah. The resources yeah. are truly endless for good, for good or bad. <laughs> but I, I guess this is where you can lean on your community too and, and everybody else for that kind of support. But yeah, those resources are immensely important. And, you know, it's certainly a, a different play now. And it's so fortunate that we have these resources available because I just, I remember just, we would just have a gym and everyone would go to the gym and there'd be a bunch of booths with different sports that were in the area. And then you just sign up there one, one go. <laughs> and then it was all this paperwork. It was okay. Good luck with all this paperwork. And we'll see you, I guess in four weeks. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But I mean, it's the experience has changed for the better in that respect <laughs> for sure. Uh, you know, as we sort of close this out, I know we're coming up on, on time here and which is, a, God, it, it's great just to so talk fast. to you and have the conversation. <laughs> it goes so fast, but we usually like to leave, you know, leave the floor with our, our, our guests here to, you know, give them the space to, you know, kind of close this out, tie a bow on it, you know, whatever is sort of top of mind for you, whether it could, it could be, it's like a famous quote, whether it's, uh, you know, something that is a theme for the year coming up, uh, you know just a funny story you, you had on the way in, but we want to give the, give the floor to you here before we hop into our, our this or that gauntlet that will put you through. Yeah. I'm not a famous quote guy by any stretch of the imagination, but my kid asked me last night what my favorite movie is. And to this day and probably forever, it'll be field of dreams. And if you're not, oh, a Coster wonderful. Fan, if you're not a Coster fan, then you probably won't like artistic swimming either. And you're proud. <laughs> yeah. uh, don't kidding. like fun. Don't like yeah. laughter and yeah. joy. <laughs> Right. Um, but, in, but in that movie, right, the famous line is, hey, dad, you want to have a catch? Aww. And it's always that sentiment that comes back to me in the sports space that that's the most simplistic thing. But yeah. it's so Americana and it's so tangibly real, especially for me now that he's five, almost mm -hmm. five, and we can have yeah. a catch. Like, don't take those moments for granted. And don't take any of those moments in sport. If you're an athlete or you're a parent for granted, because yeah. they are far too fleeting. Um, and I try to take that approach to sport every day is that, yeah, I got an Olympic team, but close to an Olympic team, <laughs> best athletes in the country, uh, arguably yeah. the world at varying levels. Um, I'm the CEO of an NGB, which has always been a great, has been a goal of mine since my transition out of the athletic director ideology. I mean, I'm really fortunate, but at the end of the day, it's just sport and mm. it, it's, it, it's not it's not to change people's lives through money or finance because the one percenters are so 1%. Mm -hmm. The 99% of us that ever participate in any sport is just to influence the life that you have, right? To build a memory of playing catch with your father or your mother mm -hmm. or kicking a ball around or you know, any one special moment that you had on a wrestling mat or a, a football field. And really more importantly, building friends and life goal, life ideals, life philosophy structure that I don't know that you can gather in the same way than you do through sport. Mm. But again, I'm very biased. Uh, that has shaped my life. Sorry. Yeah. And I'm sure most people who are listening to this <laughs> will not in agree. I just don't want yeah. to suggest there aren't other ways to do that. It just is, it's a real fast track to it, especially when the environment is and the kids are placed in a position where the coach is smart. The coach has their greater good in mind. They don't just think about X's and O's and wins and losses. They want that athlete to be safe and prosperous and impact community and just be a better human all around. So that's the message that I share and want to share. And you know, as often as I can, I'm waking up and I'm thinking about yeah. those things first and foremost. And then we start talking about finances and tax documents. <laughs> <laughs> 
membership registration and background screens and safe sports training. And I could go on if you want yeah, me yeah, to. Yeah. That's what, you know, that's what we've made sport to be as a business. Sure. I don't want athletes to think about sports business. Yeah. When they turn, when they turn 20 and they start to identify what their major is going to be, then, Hey, think about sport business as a career, but for as long as you can possibly have fun doing it, do that as Honestly, that's what I did until maybe like my junior year of college when it became really hard and uh, a lot of challenges brought forth in my life then. But since then, it's driven me to this career, which is very challenging. But when I think back about the lives that I'm impacting uh, in a similar fashion that my life was impacted by sport, it's all worth it. It's mm-hmm. all worth it. Absolutely. And it, it's a helpful reminder too to always just to pull back and realize how the simple act of just showing up can make a huge difference. So it's super helpful. Thank you, Adam. That's that's a that's a wonderful bow to time on this on this episode. But we're not quite done yet because we've got the this or that gauntlet. Okay, so here we go. Nine questions, rapid fire pace. We need rapid fire answers from you. There's no thinking involved. It's just gut reactions only. Are you ready? Ready. Favorite game at the bar: pool or pull tabs? Ooh, pull tabs, definitely. Rather relaxed by the pool or the beach? Beach, need some sand. Summer or winter Olympics? Summer. Lo- love you guys in your snow, but. <laughs> Is it pronounced GIF or JIF? I'm a JIF guy. Audiobook or podcast? Podcast. Orange slices or Capri Sun? Uh, Capri Sun. Garden of the Gods or Manitou Incline? <laughs> I hate the incline. Garden <laughs> of the Gods all day. <laughs> I had to ask. Every um, day, yeah. All right, we're, we're switching over to regular swimming. Freestyle or backstroke? Uh, backstroke, I can breathe easier. There it is. Nice. All right, last one. Who has the cooler college nickname? UC Santa Barbara, the Banana Slugs, or UC Irvine, the Anteaters? They're definitely Banana Slugs. Yeah, what? Banana <laughs> Slugs? Who's ever seen a Banana Slug? Right? What even is that? UC Santa Barbara has, apparently. What a, of all the cool California names you could have had, and they went banana slug. Hey, man, look, you got to go unique. You got to go cool. I mean, come on, go yeah. banana slug. That's awesome. Hey, if we're sticking California, like Cal State, Long Beach, dirt bags. And, uh, <laughs> when, you're, when, you're, when you're playing baseball, like, man, that's the place to be. That is cool. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm glad we took out we we you, we've asked people uh, favorite movie Field of Dreams or Sandlot, but it's nice to know yours is Field of Dreams. Have you been to the to the Field of Dreams? Have you been to Iowa? I've never been. We did a we did a family vacation there. I would recommend when your kids are uh, a little older, they can appreciate it maybe a little yeah, bit more. Now they're doing a baseball game every you know periodically. Yeah. Like how epic would that be? But yeah, yeah, I'll make a trip one day, knock on the door, and I'll sure. Do a little couple of James Earl Jones quotes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you gotta. We had a family friend go out there and watch uh, the Cubs and Yankees, and it is oh, a very cool experience to watch them come out of the come out the of the cornfields. Corn it's, yeah. I mean, uh, can't be overhyped so cool. enough. Big shout no. out to, to to Major League <laughs> Baseball for making that happen. I know that's a weird tangent, but yeah. yeah. Um, in, in any case, Adam, thank you so much for joining. You made it through the gauntlet with flying colors. Absolutely crushed it, uh, and thank you for being on our on our show. Uh, I appreciate it. I don't want to downplay Benny the Jet Rodriguez either, as we actually <laughs> I just want to be really clear. There's like one A and one B, two great baseball movies. So thanks yeah. for bringing that there, Marie. Of, of course. And yeah, thanks for the platform. Really appreciate it. I hope tens and tens of hundreds of thousands of people, I don't know, or even five that really make a difference in their lives listen to this, because that's what it, uh, every day uh, I go into it knowing that. I'm not going to change everybody's mind, but if I change one, then I started to change culture. This goes back to that statement that you asked, or your question you asked earlier in my statement to it, that you got to do it one at a time sometimes. So appreciate the opportunity to do that. Absolutely. Thank you, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, guys. Take care. You know what, dear listener, there are very few things I like in this world more than when I get to bundle and save. I bundle and save my car insurance, which many of you probably do as well because of a silly little gecko. But this is not about the gecko today, okay? This is about Sports Engine HQ and an all new bundling program that they are rolling out. So instead of just getting the awesome tools, 
services, features, functionality that you get in Sports Engine HQ, you can also bundle other services, other products that we offer. I'm talking background screenings through NCSI. I'm talking live streaming and on-demand video for your entire organization through Rapid Replay. Do you need apparel, uniforms? We got it. Bundle Squad Locker with your HQ subscription. We can even help manage and run your next tournament with Tourney Machine. You can bundle all of these, any of these, one of these, five of these, and you can earn up to 60% off your first year subscription to Sports Engine HQ. It's pretty simple. The more services you bundle, the more you save. Sports Engine HQ is the ultimate teammate to use sports clubs, admins, and volunteers, making it faster, making it easier to run all of your programs. So now when you bundle, you can get even more tools to do this, and they're all at a discount. It seems like a no-brainer to me. If you want to learn more information, visit sportsengine.com slash pricing and bundling to connect with an expert. We'll help you choose a Sports Engine HQ package and bundle services to save up to 60% on your first year subscription. Man, I think I could talk to this guy every episode. He is passionate. He's fun. He loves growing his sport and, of course, uh, promotes safety, which are all the things that make up a great a great person to have in the youth sports space, a guy who's always going to do the hard things because they are typically the right things uh, and typically not always the easiest things. But you know that uh, in the long term and in the long run, those are the things that are going to are going to pay off the most. And I feel like just if I could in life, that's true. You know, the hard things are usually the right things and they usually don't pay off right away. But if you stick to them, continue to put you know, effort into them, they will pay off in the long run. So I don't also know where he finds the time to do everything that he's doing. He has a family. Uh, he's, you know, a wrestling uh, ref. He runs a national governing body and he also is on the board of a number of other organizations. Uh, so we are super appreciative that he found the time to hop on our silly little podcast um, and talk about talk about youth sports with us. Um, it was an exceptional time. So I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, like I said, this is the final episode uh, where I'm flying solo. Uh, we're going to have Simon back. Can't wait to talk to him, uh, play some more games. Uh, but with that, thank you, dear listener. This has been another episode of For the Love of Sport, brought to you by Sports Engine, the home of you sports. As always, if you have any ideas for topics or guests that you'd love to hear us talk uh, talk with and talk to and talk about and do all the talking with, uh, please reach out to us at ftlospod at nbcuni.com. That can be found in the show notes below. We've got an awesome team working behind the scenes that don't get the uh, the attention, so we're going to do that right now. We've got Kelsey Irwin, Joe Berzonic, and Billy Kepka. They help us produce and promote this bad boy. And as always, Troy Stone is the one mixing the sound, making us sound just a little bit better than we actually do. So with that, I will bid you adieu. Can't wait to be with you at the next episode. So stay tuned. We've got something pretty special for May. So looking forward to that. And we will see you then. Uh, bu- uh, bu- bu- bye. Bye.